You know all those top 10 preseason lists for the fans that are fun? Well, they are until someone gets their feelings hurt. You are Locked On Trojans, your daily podcast on the USC Trojans. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Right on, everyone. I'm your host, Mark Culkin, and thank you for making Locked on USC your first listen every day. Whether you're watching on YouTube or wherever you like to download your podcast, we are free, and I really do appreciate your support. You can show your appreciation, and it would mean a whole heck of a lot. If you're watching on YouTube, become a subscriber. Very easy. Hit the subscribe button and hit that thumbs up. Both mean a whole heck of a lot and contribute to the show. And because we come at you five times a week, Hit the bell notification button, and you will not miss one episode. So, all those top 10 preseason lists that we've been going over during the summer, during the offseason, they've been fun. Uh, you know, Lockdowns had their, their version. There's been other national pundits um, and magazines that have given out their list. Well, I saw one recently. This one came from PFF, Pro Football Focus, and from Max Chadwick. First of all, who is Max Chadwick? Because I've never heard the name before. I did a quick research, and his bio says he is the college football analyst forward slash social producer producer at Pro Football Focus. So I don't know what that means. Does that mean he runs their Twitter account? Uh, second of all, can anyone explain to me PFF's formula for their scoring systems? You know, they, they put out lists all the time, and this person's the best at this and that, and I really do not understand how they put their stuff together. Uh, per this list, according to PFFs, win above, wins, above, wins above average metric. So again, my response is, huh? The other day... Uh, Mr. Chadwick from PFF put out his top 10 college football wide receiver units. Actually, receiving units. I will be uh, precise. Look, you don't have to be Maxwell smart to believe Ohio State has the number one wide receiver group in the country. Um, even as a USC fan and someone who covers the team with uh, without any type of bias, wink, wink, um, I don't think you're going to get much of an argument that Ohio State has the number one group. When Marvin Harrison and Amika Igbuka are your, you know, the leading guys coming back, um, they're going to make pretty much any quarterback look good. So the the Buckeyes returned the remainder of their top six receivers from a year ago, as well as uh, they brought in Kate Stover, a top 10 tight end, and a true freshman in 2021. Uh, Traven Henderson, running back, was ninth among Power 5 running backs with 312 receiving yards. So I guess, you know, once Ohio State figures out who's going to be their quarterback, uh, they're going to have the number one wide receiver group. Excuse me, the number one receiving group. Yeah. This is where I guess I, I, I have my issue. Um, I like to focus on wide receivers as your receiving group. You can have running backs and tight ends who can be involved in the passing game. But let's be honest, your quarterbacks are focused on the wide receivers when it comes to the receiver group. 
Anyways, semantics, right? Uh, but once we get past the Buckeyes, I think this is where kind of where Max kind of goes rogue. Here's his groups two through ten. And uh, yeah, number two, Texas, Xavier Worthy and Jeftavian Sanders. Those are the top two returning receivers for Steve Sarkeesian's Texas Longhorns. Worthy has the most receiving yards, 1,738, and receiving touchdowns, 20, among returning Power 5 receivers. Sanders, 613 receiving yards this past season, trailed only Brock Bowers among returning Power 5 tight ends. So as it turns out, Texas's number two group in the country has one receiver and one tight end. However, the Longhorns also return Jordan Winnington, who has been the number two wide receiver behind Worthy in each of the last, on each of the last two seasons. They also brought in Adonai Mitchell, transfer from Georgia, who missed nine games in 2022 due to an ankle injury. But according to Max Chadwick, uh, he's flashed some insane physical tools at six foot four that have already grabbed NFL scouts' attention. Anyways, moving forward. So, basically, the number two group uh, has a lot of ifs and buts. Okay, that's the number two group in the country, according to Max Chadwick. Number three, he comes out west, goes to Washington. Uh, he says that Washington has the best wide receiver duo in college football outside of Ohio State. Rome Adunze is my his number three wide receiver in the country, and his 605 yards against single coverage in 22 was second only to Marvin Harrison Jr. among Power 5 receivers. Jalen McMillan, Washington's other wide receiver, came in sixth on Max's list and had 54 combined receiving first downs and touchdowns, uh, second only to Harrison. So if that's the bar, if we're using Ohio State's guys, why aren't they number two? And I, I guess he's cherry picking he's cherry picking different stats to make his argument. Coming in at number four, again, moving the goalpost. Georgia's receiving core starts with Brock Bowers, who could go down as one of the greatest tight ends in college football history. He's been the most valuable tight end in the country during each of the first two seasons, according to PFF, wins above Average metric, his 1,001 yards after the catch uh, during that span are 328 more than the next closest FBS tight end, Michael Mayer. Uh, the Bulldogs also return their top two wide receivers from 2022, Lad McConkey and Marcus Rosme Jackson. Um, again, McConkey's 42 combined receiving first downs and touchdowns last season ranked second among SEC wide receivers. Okay, so the fact that this group starts and ends with a tight end makes the list suspect. Number five, so we continue with Max Chadwick's top 10 receiving units. Florida State, <laughs> okay. Yeah, that's a that's a sarcastic laugh for me. If you're not for people who aren't watching and aren't aware, according to Max, no receiving core in the country benefited from the transfer portal more than Florida State's 
this offseason. The Seminoles first brought in Jaheim Bell from South Carolina, who's a top five tight end in the country. Since 2021, his 2.6 yards per route trails only Brock Bowers among Power 5 tight ends with at least 275 receiving snaps. Then Keon Coleman transferred in from Michigan State, and he brought 798 yards, which was fifth in touchdowns, seventh in 2022. And those guys are adding to Florida State's top receiver, Johnny Wilson, who's a top 10 wide receiver in college football because he's a massive six foot seven, 235 pounds, who led all power five wideouts last year with a 3.36 yards per route run. Yeah, um, what? Someone explain. I'm not the brightest bulb in the box. Someone explain that to me, please. Thank you. Moving on because nothing, I'm just going to move on past it. I really have nothing positive left to say about Florida State's group. Um, number six. I mean, yeah, let me go back. Now, Florida State has the number five group, and not one of the guys he talked about outside of Johnny Wilson played on that team last year. Whatever. Number six, USC. Yay, Trojans, they made the list. What do you know? The fact that USC is actually number six behind Florida State and behind Texas and, and Washington is why Max needs to have his head red. Max, yeah, checked. He needs to have his head checked out. Um, but look, if we're going to use the Buckeye wide receivers as the bar to reach, I mean, we're using Max's top group, right? He said, Dorian Singer will attempt to fill in the shoes left behind by Jordan Addison, and is also a top 10 wide receiver in the country. The former walk-on at Arizona tallied 29 catches that went for 15-plus yards last year. That was second only to Marvin Harrison Jr. among Power 5 wide receivers. Again, he cherry-picks these weird stats. And then Taj Washington was seventh among Pac-12 receivers a year ago with 77 receiving grade. Mario Williams experienced some drops issues uh, in 2022. But as a true freshman, he didn't drop any of his 37 targets. So, uh, and then the fourth most among Power 5 receivers, that was Mario Williams last year. Brendan Rice had 611 yards. Put that all together along with the top recruiting wide receiver group, Zach Branch, Makai Lemon, and we're going to throw Deuce Robinson in there because he's going to be playing wide receiver mostly at USC. I don't know how you drop USC to number six when you're bringing Caleb Williams back. You have Lincoln Riley calling the plays. The depth at wide receiver is better than anybody else in the country. And you don't need to include a tight end to make an argument for the best receiving group in college football. Um his 7 through 10, it really makes no difference, but here they are. Number 7 was Oregon, 8 LSU, number 9 Texas A&M, number 10 Alabama. As I said, these preseason lists, they're fun for the fans to talk about and debate, but come on. Does anybody really truly believe USC has the 6th best group? Let's take a poll on this episode of Locked on USC. All of you listeners, viewers, hit the comment section. Tell me what you think. Where would you rank USC in the group? I concede Ohio State's number one. 
I gave you the list two through ten. Where do you rank? Where do you rank USC? You tell me. And I'm going to make a bet that it's going to be a little bit higher than number six. If you want to make a bet, head on over to FanDuel. Because baseball season is in full swing, and there's no better place to get in on all the action than FanDuel, America's number one sports book. You can take your first swing at betting Major League Baseball on FanDuel, and you can get, check this out, 10 times your first bet amount in bonus bets, up to $200 worth. So just bet 20 bucks, and you're going to land $200 in bonus bets if you win or lose. That's $200 you can spend betting everything from the over-under, the money line. Who do you think is going to hit the first home run in the game? Go bet on it at FanDuel. You can do that on a very safe, secure, and super easy app to use. And the best part, you're going to get paid instantly. There is no better place to bet on Major League Baseball than FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. So sign up today and visit FanDuel.com forward slash locked on to get up to $200 in bonus bets. That's FanDuel.com forward slash locked on. FanDuel, an official sports betting partner of Major League Baseball. Make sure you everydayers are checking out the next episode of Locked on USC next Monday. I'll be back with another five episodes next week. And if you haven't become an everyday viewer or listener yet, why not? Ask yourself that question over the weekend. Why haven't you? So, you know, if you're, and if you are an everyday listener, you know that my other job, when I'm not uh, bringing you your news and notes and information, first thing every day on Locked on USC, I'm over there on WeRSC.com, part of the On3 network. J.D. Piquel, he went to battle for Lincoln Riley recently, defending him. J.D. Piquel is a national uh, writer, podcaster for the uh, On3 network. And he was defending Lincoln Riley and the narrative that Riley cannot win the big game. That's the narrative right now. He can't win the big one. Just a reminder, Lincoln Riley, in his short tenure as a head coach, he is 66 and 13. He's 11 and 3 at USC. But again, apparently out there, there's the, this is what J.D. Piquel said, there's a misconception that I think Lincoln, uh, that I think has been out there for a little bit, and it's Lincoln Riley can't win the big one. And last year at USC didn't do a lot to help Lincoln Riley because they lost the Pac-12 championship in a somewhat embarrassing fashion. Okay, it wasn't somewhat, it was just an embarrassing fashion. Had a lead against Tulane in the New Year's Six Bowl, and they blew that lead and lost that game. And to make matters worse, it was Tulane. It was a group of five school, end quote. So, well, I was there. Most of you are watching it on TV if you weren't there. I still remember when ESPN gave USC a 99% probability to win the game with less than five minutes left to play. So, is embarrassing the right adjective to, to describe? It's apropos. Uh, look, the only fans who were happier than the Tulane Greenway fans after the game were Oklahoma fans. Let's be honest, right? So, not only is Lincoln Riley 0-3 in the playoffs, 
but he now also has to own a loss to Tulane in a New York in a New Year's Day New Year's Day six bowl game, the Cotton Bowl. What uh, Piquel was defending was the label that's being attached to a head coach, Lincoln Riley, who literally just turned 40 years old, not too long ago. But, you know, Lincoln Riley, he is, he's 0-3 in the playoffs, despite already having four Pac-12 conference championships under his belt. And taking USC to the conference championship game in his first year, a team he inherited that was 4-8 the year in four. So, you know, let's, again, Riley is just one of five coaches to make three or more college football playoff appearances. He did that before he turned 40. And he's the youngest guy to do that. So the, uh, the, the article went on to shine a light on the bigger picture and to kind of remind folks that Nick Saban, the guy who many consider the, I don't know, the greatest college football coach of the modern era, well, Nick Saban was 53 when he won his first national championship. And uh, didn't, that didn't happen until after Pete Carroll took off to the NFL. Just saying. And the guy who uh, kind of rule, rules the roost now, Kirby Smart, uh, JD, he was quick to point out that Kirby was on the plus side of 45 years old when he won the first of his back-to-back -back national championships. Look, I understand why why there are folks out there um, who are who aren't from Oklahoma that are starting to wonder if Riley is kind of all hat, no cattle, all offense, no defense. That's the that's the parallel. Um, and they're asking that question because he kept his friend and defensive coordinator Alex Grinch along for one more rodeo ride. But look, let's let's be fair and balanced and honest here. Riley has learned how to recruit with the best of the best. Uh, he proved that at Oklahoma. He's definitely proved that at USC. I mean, he has USC's national. He has USC's recruiting class in his second full, his actually first full recruiting cycle. Uh, USC already has a top five class. We're now in July, and that class is still climbing. If the defensive recruits start to buy in to the Lincoln Riley project he's got going on at USC right now, kind of like the offensive skill players are, the perception will change. I mean, look, it took a he took a four and eight team at USC that was going nowhere and going nowhere fast. And he used the transfer portal and made them into an eleven one team. Like that. Thanos fast. So this year, getting into the playoffs is not only a must for Lincoln Riley. You've got Caleb Williams one more year. Yeah. If we're going to I, if we're going to allow the coach a chance to grow and develop, then this is the season with Caleb. As well as I think he has all the right pieces in place now on both sides of the ball. Lincoln has to win a playoff game this year. And I think we would all prefer two wins this season to help change the, the whole narrative that he can't win the big one. 
And when he does win the championship this year, I want him to steal Mike Gundy's uh, line. Some of you know what I'm talking about. Come after me. I'm a man. I'm 40. That's what I want to hear Lincoln Riley say after USC wins the national championship this season. It's Friday. It's time for my rant. And uh, it, it kind of sounds like my whole show has been a rant a little bit. And for the most part, it has. You know, we started off at the top of the show, a little disrespect from pro football focus towards USC and their wide receiver group. The second segment, um, appreciate. Got got some national people out there kind of coming to the defense of Lincoln Riley. And I wanted to dissect that, kind of break it down a little bit from my perspective, maybe give you a little context of where JD was coming from. If you, if you didn't get a chance to read this article. And now we've reached the third segment of the show, my Friday rant. Uh, Twitter, Elon Musk. Why are you making life difficult? Why? What's the point? And you can't, you couldn't be doing this at like the worst possible time. I understand business is business. It's a doggy dog world out there and competition threads. They're coming after you. But I get the whole data scraping thing that you're doing, trying to make your product better. Love it. Appreciate it. But if you want on the surface, what it looks like is you're kind of, you're encouraging finger quotes again, you're encouraging people to uh, maybe pay a, a subscription fee. And if, if that's the goal, I get, look, I get it. You're in, you're in the business to make money. I have a suggestion. How about a tiered fee system? Kind of like an a la carte menu. Give your people, give your users more than one choice rather than verified or unverified. In other words, start have a couple of trial packages, like a, a $2.99 per month package for 2,000 $2, tweets a day. $3.99, 3,000 tweets a day. And then go for your unlimited verified accounts. You know, whatever, what is it, $9.99 a month or whatever your whatever your fee pay, your fee subscription is. And then I have this question. What is temporary? How long will that take? Whenever people use the word temporary, it's so vague, ambiguous. It, it, obviously, it leaves the door open. Don't, don't be one of those guys. You're a smart guy, Elon. <laughs> you, you create rockets that can go to the moon and come back and land safely. Yeah, you've got one of the best cars on the market. You put satellites up in, up in space for communications. You know what you're doing here. I'm just saying, don't make life difficult for your users, especially people in the media like myself, because I need to know what's going on because USC's college football season is going to be here really, really soon. I mean, like really soon. Fall camp starts in three weeks, Elon. I need your help. <clears throat> I'm telling you, I, I plan to be using the product a lot more than I already do right now. 
I got an idea. Maybe come up with a sports package plan that people can sign up with during the peak season. Kind of like Pac-12 fans do with Sling TV to get their Pac-12 network. Yeah, cheat code. (laughs) And then they cancel. Fortunately, USC fans aren't going to have to do that anymore because this is their last year in the Pac-12. Do you want this to be my last year with Twitter, Elon? I've got options. Threads is out there now. I mean, again, at the very least, increase your character limit to match the 500 from Threads. Don't be the Pac-12 network. Don't be the Pac-12 conference of social media. Don't get left in the dust. That's my rant with Twitter. I got another piece, something else to rant about. Unrealistic fans. Look, I get that the bar has been raised, especially with Lincoln Riley in recruiting. USC fans, some of you are starting to get a little greedy. You're starting to expect things. What's the rule about expecting? When you don't get something, it's a bigger letdown than if you didn't expect anything at all, right? Right. It's a good rule to live by. Start using the word anticipate. That way you're not setting yourself up. Seems corny. It works. It works for me. Maybe it'll work for you. Um, like I said, I understand that the bar has been raised, but you can't, finger quote, expect every recruit to jump through a hoop to play for USC because you want them to, or just because they play in USC's backyard. They're a local recruit. There are plenty of reasons why recruits go elsewhere. We've got a brand new variable in, in the equation. It's been going on now for a couple of years. NIL plays a huge role, especially for a lot of families and young men who are who have an opportunity to take advantage of name, image, and likeness. Um, something else, maybe the staff wasn't that into a recruit for whatever reason, variety of reasons. Maybe the players weren't that into USC. Do you ever take that into consideration? Sometimes players just, there are some players that want to leave California, Los Angeles. Some, some of them aren't from the area. Some recruits look at depth chart. It, it's a numbers game. And look, if you're a if you're a top wide receiver and you look at USC's depth chart, that's gonna cause some some guys to take pause. Now I understand where most of the angst is coming from. It's on the defensive side of the ball. I hear ya. I feel ya. You know, let's keep in mind, USC is, I, I, I don't think there's too much of the previous regime's aroma hanging around USC anymore, if you catch my drift. Um, but there are some players out there that play defense that are in a wait-and-see mode. It takes a little bit of extra convincing. So, be patient. And understand that what USC doesn't get recruiting, Lincoln Riley has shown you that he can use the transfer portal. And if they win, it will take care of everything else. This isn't my first rodeo. 
I've seen this. I've seen this movie before. USC's trending in the right direction. And one last thing, for you fans who like to insult me and this show, but you keep listening. Thank you. I'm winning every single time you tune in. I got thick. I have thick skin, and you know what else I have? <laughs> I've got the power to to allow you to to comment or not. So, if you do want to insult me, that's fine. At least spell my name right. Have that much respect. All right, that's my Friday rant. Let me get out of here for the weekend. <laughs> I hope everybody had a good week. I know it wasn't the greatest week for recruiting, and it's probably not going to be the greatest weekend. We have already gone over that this week on Locked on USC. I'll have a recruiting update for you next week on our next episode of Locked on USC. So until then, everyone, have a great weekend. And you know what to do, right? Until we talk again. <laughs>